Today's episode is a whirlwind trip around the globe where we explore international folk tales and folklore. It's another installment in our fairy tale series. Get ready to learn about different cultures and customs and have fun doing it. You're listening to Two Monicas and a Microphone, a podcast about nothing serious, seriously. I'm your host, Monica. And I'm the other Monica. Get ready to talk about anything and everything from vampires to colorblindness to pet peeves to hot dogs. We've got insights and opinions on just about every topic, and we know you do too. So listen in and let's have some fun together. Oh, Monica. So we're continuing our current theme and we're transitioning a little bit and we're talking about international folk tales. Excited about this. Me too. I mean, there are so many stories that have spanned the globe from Cinderella, right? Yeah. It might be a fairy tale, but there are 500 different versions. And now we're (laughs) going to get into some really unique stories from around the world. Partially inspired by an event my daughter's school hosted. They called it Candyland. Oh, cute. It was so cute. And it was so well done. She thought she was going to get candy in every room. And that's not what happened. Different rooms with different international story themes. How cool. Right? And it reminded me of the elementary school version of Around the World in college. Oh, yeah. Right. (laughs) You could go to different rooms and hear different stories from around the world. So we went to one room from China. They read a book called Len Popo, which is the Chinese version of Little Red Riding Hood. Oh, wow. I didn't even know there was another version. We've mentioned that all the cultures around the world have commonality through stories of the Mm -hmm. ark and the flood and creation and whatnot. And now we're going to be bringing some of that commonality home. I think that storytelling, whether it be for entertainment, as we'll see in some of these, or in order to prove a point. Right. And, you know, in philosophy class, we do a lot of talking about morals and mores and ethics. These stories are one way to impart morals. Right. Like the boy who cried wolf. We all know immediately when we hear that, that means don't act like there's a problem when not one. Right. And if you see a wolf in sheep's clothing, it's a wolf. It's not a sheep. Right. I think this, this part is quite fascinating. And some of these stories were, um, I'm not going to lie, a little disturbing, but they were also really fun and educational. Oh, I had a lot of fun doing this. I probably added too many stories in here. I'm starting to feel like I, I added a lot <laughs> from the original six that we had. Although, like you said, a little disturbing. I had to cut one of them because I'm just not sharing a story about self-cannibalism, everybody. That was a little much, <laughs> yeah, a little much. The fairy tales that we've already covered, I wanted to talk a little bit about their countries or regions of origin. In France, we had Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast. Italy, we had Pinocchio. Great Britain is actually Sleeping Beauty. Mm-hmm. Germany, Snow White and Rapunzel. The Danish have The Little Mermaid. And then in Scotland, we had Peter Pan. Peter Pan from Scotland? I did not realize that. Yeah, yeah, yep. So Monica, I think it's safe to say that we've really only explored Western European tales to an extreme. We're not getting a PhD in this, but where are we going to travel to first today? Well, we are going to go to Persia, which I mean, honestly, that's a huge area and it encompasses a lot of time, right? Basically, we're doing the Arabian Nights. Ooh. 
Arabian yes. Oh my goodness. I was very shocked by a lot of the Arabian Nights. I, but I was very shocked by the story of the Arabian Nights. I mean, I know of it, but I didn't really truly know what it was. So I will say this, the history of it is super complex. And you know, I like to go into the history of yes, things. I do. Just no way. Like you would need a PhD. Scholars still don't exactly agree on everything. So I'm not even about to attempt to explain it all here in this episode. All that we know for certain is that it existed before 800 AD. And I don't know if you know about the tale of Arabian Nights, also called 1001 Nights, but the backstory of it, the fictional backstory of it is so cool. So this is how it came about. There is a king who rules in India and China, and he was cheated on by his first wife. And Uh. after that happened, he just pretty much hated all women at that point. That's fair. It sounds like a country song. Definitely sounds like a country song. So he may have hated women so much that he wanted to punish all of them. So he would get married and then kill his new bride the next day. Very, very savage and scary. I would not want to be his wife. Well, in fact, this one wife, she was very clever, and her name was to her Azade. So we will just refer to her as the wife in the future. She's very crafty, and how she saves her own life is each night she tells her husband a new tale. She doesn't finish it. She leaves him on a cliffhanger so that he will spare her life the next night. And this goes on for a thousand and one nights. And to be honest, I don't know if she gets killed in the end or if it's just one of those things where it just goes on and on and on. And it, you know, just kind of like Mayan calendar. It just stopped in 2014. (laughs) So I was like, oh my goodness, basically the Arabian Nights is this poor woman trying to save her life and coming up with a story every single night. So that's the backstory. Now, the stories in this are Arabic, Persian, Mesopotamian, Indian, Egyptian, folklore, literature, fairy tales, tragedies, comedies, poems, and erotica, which I'm not doing any of the erotica. Sorry, everybody. None of those in this. Definitely PG. <laughs> We're definitely PG. So, so how now, does Aladdin come out of this? So one of the most famous ones of this is Aladdin, but it's not from the original manuscript that I talked about from 800 AD. It actually didn't get added in until later whenever a French scholar tried to take all of them and present them to the Western world to enjoy as well. And he added several new stories that Syrian man named Han told him. So he added in that in that story, Aladdin came about. I'm going to go a little bit into Aladdin, even though we really, truly know the story. I'm not going to retell it, except right. for the fact that we don't know the story at all. We know nothing. We, whatever. <laughs> Disney's not history. <laughs> Disney did is very funny because, first of all, Aladdin is Chinese. It takes place in China. Everyone is Chinese except for a North African magician who's evil. First of all, huh. that, right? Okay. Also, he is not an orphan. <laughs> he lives with his mom. Yeah, but he's still a street rat. No, he's it's lazy. Oh, oh. That's so funny. And he like squanders his dad's fortune inheritance. Okay. So that's a difference. Also, there's two genies. Oh, I love genies. Yeah, and more than three wishes. Oh. And the genies are good in this. The princess is already married when she meets Aladdin. So Aladdin kidnaps the husband and then <laughs> makes him agree to get an annulment. <laughs> 
<laughs> right? So again, this is the true story. I mean, it's not a true story, but the original telling of, of Aladdin. Um, and then there are three bad guys, not one bad guy. But I thought what was really interesting about the three bad guys is that I think they still make an appearance in Aladdin. So tell me if you can see the similarities. There is an evil magician. Yep. But this magician also poses as a long lost uncle to trick the boy into retrieving the lamp. I think we remember that part with the old man. And then oh, he yeah, has the those man. really gross teeth. And he's like, yes, hey! yes, yes. Oh, he's <laughs> Then the second is the magician's more evil brother, which I always think of. Is that Yago? The- yeah, that's what I was like. It's totally Yago. It's Yago. And, and then, of course, there is a rival prince, which obviously there are rival princes in this. So it's very interesting. I think the villains are all still represented in the Disney version. It's just not anything else is true. Right. And I didn't really get to see how maybe Jasmine was different or the princess or any of that. All right. That's Aladdin. It was brought about in the 1700s, even though this thing's been around since the 800s. Is that even a thing, y'all? I don't know. You say 800s? <laughs> I think you're supposed to say the 9th century. Anyway, There's also at that time, Alibaba and the 40 Thieves and Sinbad the Sailor were added I in. I think, yes, I think with Aladdin. Aladdin is like a combination of Alibaba and the 40 Thieves. Oh, I think so. Um, I think there's definitely some elements there, but they were all introduced at the same time. Monica, so we have finished with, right? Yeah, the Persians. The Persians. Monica, so we have the world's dominating Russians. Oh, right. I see that you have here that we're traveling to Eastern Europe. However, did you know Russia is neither in Europe nor in Asia? It spans both. There is another story that is Eastern European, though, from my home country. Yeah, we're going to get there. I think it's just time for me to do some talking. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right, friends. So we're moving on to Russia because now I am married to an amazing who was born in Moscow. That's incredible. And when getting inspiration for this episode, I was like, Paul, do you have any fairy tales or stories from Russia? The one that came out was the story of the golden fish. It's like, huh, that's interesting. I like so to say you have golden scales and you can become wealthy? Well, let's just find out. Okay. But according to the source that I used, this, said old Peter, is a story against wanting more than enough. It's more of an Aesop's fable or a folk tale because there's a moral at the end of Mm -hmm. it. And the setting is the Blue Sea. So I had to look up where the Blue Sea is. And Mm -hmm. apparently the Blue Sea is in Quebec, Canada. Oh, Um, So I don't know if they just used that name because obviously it's fiction, right? So they just said, you know, like this, we're set in the blue sea, but I had to look up the blue sea and it's in Quebec. So I'm just going to say that they made up the location. Yeah, I'd agree. The tale is there's a husband and wife and they're quite poor. They live in a shack. They don't have much. And he goes fishing every day and he hopes to come back with something for them to eat. Well, the golden fish one day comes up in the net. Again, they have nothing. Score. He has this golden fish and he could either take it home for his wife to cook or he could put it back. And the golden (laughs) fish speaks to him and says, if you put me back, I will grant you a wish. He thinks and he says, okay, I'll put you back. But he doesn't know what to ask for. So he goes to his wife and he's like, well, I caught a fish, but I threw it back. The fish offered 
to grant me a wish. She's like, are you kidding me? You couldn't have asked for a loaf of bread. So he goes back and he finds the fish and the fish comes up and he says, okay, fish, I would like a loaf of bread. Before he even gets to the door of his shack, there's a loaf of bread there enough to sustain them. And the wife is like, this is wonderful. This is miraculous. And the next day, the wife, what if you go and ask the golden fish for more bread? But she doesn't stop at bread. Every time the husband comes back from speaking with the golden fish, the wish, whatever it is, is granted. So the wife wishes for more and more and more to the tune of a grand house with servants, status in society, And you think that would be enough, right? Yeah, sounds good. Stop there. By by this point, she's actually put her husband in the place of a servant. Oh, nice. She's making him sleep outside. Oh, goodness. I mean, she's just turning into a wretched, wretched woman. Of course. Now the woman has become wretched by all of this. The man, he's totally out of fact. He's totally, but uh, like, poor guy, right? He's like, I know. It's so crazy. And he's the one who found the fish. That's right. And he's still talking to the fish because every time the wife wants something, he goes and he asks the fish. Finally, as if status in society and a grand house with servants isn't enough, she asks her husband to tell the golden fish that she wants to rule the seas. Oh my goodness, lady. Right? So rule the, the seas? Rule the seas. She wants to be <laughs> Ursula, okay? No, it's crazy. So with this final wish, the golden fish had had enough and returned the couple to their humble beginnings. That's unfortunate. Now, I do have a question you may not sure. know the answer to. Okay. What's the origin date of the story? You know, I don't know. I was just wondering if it's propaganda to keep the Russian people from, you know, wanting more than bread. <laughs> you know, but the bread that they did request was black bread. Yeah. And so Russian black bread, my father-in-law eats it. My husband loves it. Ooh. Um, it's like a dark pumpernickel. Ooh, yum. Um, yeah, it's really good. I will be posting a link to Russian black bread from King Arthur Bake if anyone cool. is of mind. I do have a couple of quotes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought were really fun. Yeah. The two men that are telling this story one is named Marusia. He says, What a horrid old woman. (laughs) Okay. Just telling it like it is. I wonder the old fisherman forgave her, said Ivan. I think he might have beaten her a little, said Marusia. Oh, goodness. Oh, my God. She deserved it. Oh, goodness. So right there, we have some very old school ideas of how married couples handled difficulties. Yeah. I mean, you know what he probably could have done besides beating her was like not go ask for those wishes or come up with some of his own. Some of his own. (laughs) I totally agree. Oh, my gosh. That's great. Where are we going next? This is more of a people, if you will. So the Slavic, which is what my heritage is. Now, my great-grandmother, she could speak Czechoslovakian. Well, I do have a, a one that I will tell because it's just too good and it has some good quotes because I really feel like the Slavs, if you, if you will, which would also include Russians, like it's a huge group of people. They just say it like it is. And as you pointed that out up there about she deserved it. And then as things will be said in these quotes, it's very much 
much my personality to say it like it is. So I wonder if that's just not something that's just deeply inside of me from my heritage. Unsure. Okay. Yeah. Um, so all of these really struck home to me because we're just very proud of that. Fun to know a little bit about where you came from. Now I'm going to tell a short one. I'm not even going to tell the whole thing really. There's one from Czechoslovakia called okay. Kacha and Devil. Okay. Oh yeah. What's so there's about? this, it's about this woman who is cruel and mean. Nobody will marry her even though she's, no one will even work for her. <laughs> like she's <laughs> awful. Yeah. So she turns 40 years old and she's like, I'm getting old. Uh, yeah. I bet you're definitely getting old. Like this is the 1700s or 800s. I don't know. 40 has been old until recently, which now obviously Monica, we know it's very young, mm-hmm. but <laughs> yes. but she's never danced with anybody. And one night she's so desperate. She says, I'll dance with the devil himself. If he shows up. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So she goes to a dance. Never make a deal with the devil. Never make a deal with the devil, but there will be a plot twist on this. So okay. basically what happens is this handsome man dances with her all night. And he says, put your arms around me. I want to take you somewhere. And she puts her arms around him and then he turns into a demon and ascends, no, descends to hell. You don't send to hell. <laughs> so he descends to hell. And guess what? She don't care. Oh. <laughs> yes. All right. Then. So so the demon goes to the devil himself and says, can you get this woman off of me? And the devil replies, you might have known Katja would never let go of a man when he had him. So there's more to the story, but it's hilarious because this demon cannot get Katja off of him. That's funny. Yeah, I like it. It was really <laughs> great. Gonna so we're going to travel to North out. America and we're going to do Mexico. And then we're, we're going to go- travel to South America because this is the only North America I have. Well, North America, Mexico is in North America. You know that. I actually did not make a good grade in world geography in college. And uh, I shocked. didn't either. I totally failed. Dr. Stewart. <laughs> oh, Dr. Stewart. Hey, parent friends. Monica and I want to take a break and ask you a few questions. Do you struggle to get your children to listen? Uh-huh. Do you desire your home to be a place of peace, not stress? Yes. Do you feel like everyone else has it figured out but you? Who doesn't feel this way? I don't know because I definitely feel this way at least once a week. But Monica, we're not here to talk about another episode. We're here to tell our friends about a great resource, Kristen Schmoke parent coach. She does live online coaching for overwhelmed parents who are looking to create harmony in the home. I've read her reviews and she's incredible. Monica, you've used her before, right? I have. You and I have laughed together over the last 18 months about my struggles as a parent of two small kids. It felt like I had been underwater for a couple of years dealing with their emotions when Kristen came back into my life. I had no idea I was doing things backwards by trying to teach them to calm down in the middle of a meltdown. So the next time I became frustrated, I reached out to her. She's so calm and reassuring and really knows a lot about communication and kids thanks to her training as an early education teacher and as a mama for herself. During our session, she helped me understand the behavior I found frustrating was probably just a reaction to all the change we had in 2021. I took her advice, took a deep breath, and didn't focus on the behavior, and our issue is improving. That's incredible. I love it. I don't know if you know this, but I've reached out to Kristen before as well when I've needed help with Lillian's middle school drama. And she's been amazing. Friends, if you'd like to check out what Kristen has to offer and learn more about her coaching and how it can improve your family life, please go to kristenschmokecoaching.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N. 
S-C-H-M-O-K-E coaching.com. You can also find the link in this episode's notes. Check out her reviews and book a free coaching call and start becoming the parent you've always wanted to be. Now back to the show. All right. So I love this trip around the world that we're taking. Me too. And now we're heading to North America. But first... If you love this episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review. And if you want more Two Monicas in a Microphone, follow us on Instagram at Two Monicas Podcast. That's with the number two. Hit the share button and send this episode to a friend who might enjoy it as much as you do. Enjoying it. (laughs) I'm enjoying it. Oh my gosh. It's been so much fun researching this because there are so many tales and folk tales that we just don't know. Because yeah, and we couldn't even include them all, which no. is what everyone should know is that you and I selected from several that we read Absolutely. and we even cut some that we fleshed out uh, because there is only so much time. So we're traveling to Mexico next. And I asked my good friend, Teresa, for some suggestions and she gave me several. She gave me like four or five, but I picked this one because I really loved the name. It's El Cajillon del Beso. It's the story behind Guanajuato's famous alleyway. I was like, what is Guanajuato's famous alleyway? Yeah, it doesn't seem very famous. No. So this (laughs) is a story of forbidden love and murder. Oh, I love it. I can't wait. I know. What more could I actually ask for? Nothing. A chopped up body and suitcase? (laughs) Well, (laughs) that too. But this is the story of Anna and Carlos. Anna's father wants her to marry for money. That sounds pretty familiar. Pretty familiar. But one day, Anna meets Carlos and they fall madly in love. The only trouble is, Carlos is a poor miner. Like as in he's in the coal mines? Yes. He's not 15. No, nope. okay. he's, he's in the coal mines. He might, he might be a dwarf. Because, <laughs> we don't know. Yes, we don't know. Um, but they fall madly in love. Okay, so this took me down a slight rabbit hole because I was yeah. like, what were they eating? What were they doing when they fell madly in love? Like, what's the cuisine like? So I went down Did this rabbit hole. Did they talk about it at all? Not in the story, but I was just like, what's okay, the cuisine you're like, of gotcha. Guanajuato? So I was curious the food that they might have been eating while falling in love. And here's what I found. And this is from visitmexico.org. A very traditional meal in Guanajuato is enchiladas mineras, miners enchiladas with tortillas, oh. cheese, carrots, potatoes, and a smooth guajillo chili sauce. I feel like they would definitely have eaten that considering he was a miner. Exactly. And then tamales guanajuanteses. It's a tamale stuffed with pork or cheese. And that sounds so delicious to me right now. My very first experience with tamales was at your home and your grandmother was there. Oh, she was there, wasn't she? Oh, yeah. that was, that's such a good memory. And I was like, what's going on? <laughs> what is this thing? Yeah, that was cool. This next one, I might have to pronounce a couple times and edit things out. And it says, of course, there are charamuscas. It's a hard caramel candy that is yellow in the shape of mummies. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Um, so, you know, like there are so many different flavors in Mexican culture that I'm not even aware of, even though it's part of my heritage. Mm-hmm. Cajeta is definitely something I'm familiar with. And it's, it's like a caramel, but with sounds oils, amazing. Goat milk, brown sugar, and cinnamon. That sounds so good. And it's like runny and it's so, so good. Anyway, 
So I was just curious about that uh, because I think I was hungry when I was <laughs> working. Well, on now that. you've made me hungry because it's approaching lunchtime. So thanks. That's right. <laughs> Let's get back to the story. So Carlos, again, he's just a minor with no status. And when Anna's father finds out that the two were meeting in secret, he banishes her to her room and he locks the door. And if you imagine, she's on the second floor. Oh my goodness. So, this reminds me of West Side Story. West Side Story, it kind of reminds me of Rapunzel a little bit, a mm-hmm. little bit, uh, or Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Carlos notices that the home next door has a balcony that would get him just close enough to touch Anna, and he offers to buy the home. Oh, that's a big deal considering he didn't have any money. Wow. Well, the owners refuse and they raise the Ugh. And he offers again and again and again. And the owners finally think that they have put the home just out of reach, and so Carlos will leave them alone. But no. He rounded up every last coin and he met the price. Wow. I That's know, true love. It is true so love. Cute. It's so sweet. So from then on, he and Anna could meet in secret Aww. and embrace from the balcony until one day, Anna's father walked in and saw their embrace. Uh-oh. What do you think the father did? Um, He shook his finger at her. And she fell off the ledge. Oh, Monica, that's not true crime. Come on. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Oh, he true grabbed, crime. Oh. He grabbed a knife and he stabbed his own daughter to death. That is awful. Like, what is with these? Why? Exactly. No. Right. But anyway, if you're more curious about this story, you can actually still visit the Red Steps in the alley in Guanajuato. Wait, and, is this a true story? Uh, It's a folktale. So who knows oh, if it's okay. true or not, but there, gotcha, there's, a, gotcha. there's a place where they say all of this happened and oh. there are steps and you can go visit it. And that's why it's one of those famous alleyway. I personally love this story because I love tragic love stories so, so tragic, much. Right? Oh yeah. It's so tragic and awful. And what your dad, oh, I know, right. All because he wanted you to marry for money. Yet the dude bought a house. Yes, he had some sort of money. He was willing to do whatever it took. That's right. Aw. So enough with Mexico. I'm depressed now. Um, Yeah. Let's go on to a little further south. Let's go to South America. All right. I researched a few of these and decided on one from Brazil. What I thought was really interesting about Brazil's folk stories is that they're really a mix of Africa, South America, and Portugal, and other areas where people from Brazil may have traveled. And that is where a lot of their stories are very much influenced by other people. And I do want to give a shout out to a Scottish literary critic from... (laughs) (laughs) From the uh, late 19th early 20th century, Andrew Lang. And basically he compiled, he and his wife went around and compiled all of these fairy tales from across the globe, 437 of them. Whoa. Yeah. Into a collection of 12 books known as the rainbow fairy books, like the red book, the red fairy book, the olive fairy book, the violet fairy book. Isn't that pretty crazy? He really preserved a lot of this for people in the West to be able to read, explore, and know things that they would never have known because this was before the internet, everyone. So (laughs) So I'm sure there are people, I'm just going to say it, there are people that lived and died in America who probably didn't even know that an elephant was a thing. So, all right, moving on. (laughs) 
So there, around the same time, there's also a woman who did the same thing um, from America, and her name is Elsie Spicer Eels. And this is where I got the next fairy tales from one of her collections, and it's called The Most Beautiful Princess. Oh, I love the title already. Yeah, it's a very unique story. So a prince's father became very ill. A prince, as in the male prince. <laughs> His father became ill, and so he went out to find him a hare to cook and make some broth so that he would feel better. So he follows this hare into a cave, and in this cave, he gets captured by a giant. And actually, there's a lot of stories in Brazil that have to do with giants. Loads and loads and loads of giant stories, yeah, because they're real. So, no, I'm sorry, that's for another episode. Okay, <laughs> so, <laughs> so the giant put him in a box, and he couldn't breathe, and he was going to die. It was really awful, but that evening, the beautiful woman opened the box and revealed that she was the hare. And he lays eyes upon her. She's the most beautiful woman that he's ever seen. Mm-hmm. Okay, like the prince, cursed, has to be a hare. So anyway... She helps him escape and he goes back and he finds that his father has passed and he gets really, really sad and he gives up his life as a prince, meaning he's just going to wander around. I'm sure he can return to the palace at any time. So he dresses as a fisherman and he goes around mopey and depressed. And during this time, he comes upon a kingdom who proclaimed to have the most beautiful princess in the land. Yeah, and he was like, what? No way, because I already saw the most beautiful princess in the land. So I have to see if this woman is as gorgeous. Well, she came out into the balcony. He laid his eyes upon her. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, it's going to be the princess, the hair. No, right. Uh, this is where it takes a comical turn for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he lays his eyes upon the most beautiful princess in this kingdom. And he's like, nah, her nose is a little crooked. Yeah. And he literally says this out loud and then says, I know where the most beautiful princess is and this isn't it. And then the royal guards are like, how dare you? Anyway, as you can see how that happens. So the king is like, excuse me, you don't get to run around saying that my daughter's not the most beautiful in the land. Prove it. Prove to me that there's someone more beautiful. Bring her here. Which is also weird. I would just kill him. I mean, in the story, I'd be like, ah, put to death. Burn it all He's down. like, yeah, burn it all down. But he's like, all right, I'll go bring her. So anyway, he finds the hair. It's a long story about how he finds her, okay? And it includes golden scales from a golden fish, which is why I asked earlier about that. <gasps> oh, okay. Yeah, but the fish doesn't give wishes. It's actually evil. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So anyway, so he brings back the hair of the princess who he's able to show because it's daylight. Look, see how beautiful he is? And you know what the king says? What? Yep, I see it now. My daughter does have a crooked nose. (laughs) Right? And then I guess that the golden fish scales get sprinkled about and then that's how the enchantment is broken and the princess and the prince go back to his kingdom and live happily ever after. Oh my god. And this is the reason why we have plastic surgery. Everywhere. I guess. Oh, yeah. She does have a crooked nose. <laughs> oh, my God. That is too funny. Um, so they live happily ever after. But we have another continent that we haven't really explored. Okay. It's- which one's that? We're going to take a journey again across the ocean. And we're going to go okay. to Africa. All right. Is this our final destination? This is our final destination. Okay. And this story is really complicated. It's a story of deceit, magic, Ooh. attempted murder, Ooh. a trial, and a big reveal. 
nice. And it's got a lot of main characters. So I'm just going to give you the overview. We have a king. Fine. Got it. We've had a lot of stories with kings. Yes. This king has 200 concubines. That just feels like a whole lot of drama in one place. Uh, yeah. If only, right? <laughs> yeah. 200 women vying for the same man. Uh, yeah. You have a jealous queen. Shocker. Okay. Those 200 concubines. I don't know why she would be jealous. Right. And then you have the spider's daughter. Why mm -hmm. this character is named the spider, I don't know. Okay. And I wish I could find that out. I don't know okay. if it's a literal spider or if it's just a family called spider, right? Right. And I think that in another Nigerian folktale that I was looking at, a spider comes into play as well. Okay. So I just think that it's just one of those things that they use, like maybe people like to use pigeons. Okay, yeah. So, and then there are some witch doctors and they call them juju men. Okay. Okay, so I, I was kind of wondering if this is where the term bad juju comes from. Yeah, is it? Uh, I don't know, but I think it's entirely possible. Hi friends, Monica here, just interrupting to answer the question that I couldn't answer during research. According to Wikipedia, juju is a spiritual belief system incorporating objects such as amulets and spells used in religious practice in West Africa. It is a French term, or could be a French term. According to the history, the term juju appeared in connection with the priest kings of towns in West Africa upon whom the prosperity of towns was believed to depend. So this is recorded by Sir James George Fraser in Folklore version 26. And according to the practices portion, juju is a folk magic in West Africa. Within juju, a variety of concepts exists. Juju charms and spells can be used to inflict either good or bad juju. According to some authors, it is neither good nor bad, but may be used for constructive purposes as well as nefarious deeds. It also goes on to say that a juju man is any man vetted by local traditions and well-versed in traditional medicines. So, hope that clears things up. It's really a term that most people don't use anymore. And according to other research I did, traveled from West Africa during the slave trade, where it was kept in use by its people. Yeah. And then you've got some children, okay? So we've got all the characters laid out. The king is one day introduced to the spider's daughter, but she's tragically ugly. That's, kings are usually not into that. No, he's so not into it. He doesn't want to marry her, but he agrees because of the 200 wives that he has, he's never been born a son. Now he... That is too many daughters. I'm just yeah, gonna say that. Yeah, that's 200 <laughs> women plus all daughters, but I'm sorry, the XY does not come from the woman, but they didn't know that back then. No, they didn't know that. So he's only had female offspring up until yeah. this point. So the king agrees to marry the ugly daughter because none of his wives had given him a son. And apparently the new wife was so ugly that none of the other sister wives wanted to live with her. Like no, they are things. just full of it. Uh, I do yeah, not feel it's sorry like for sorority on steroids. It is. Ugh. So what's the king to do? He had to make the ugly concubine her own house so she could live by herself. I'm like, okay. Wow, that's that not poor a bad concubine. Deal. I know, yeah, right? yeah, but I think she's winning. You're right. The interesting thing is. The head wife knew that the new wife, Adiaha, that was the name of the spider's daughter, was not really ugly. Mm. But that when she was born, the spider mother had given her two skins. And so she was made to promise that she would never take off the ugly skin until dark. Gross. That just sounds gross. It does. And she had to put it back on before light. Since the jealous queen knows this, she goes to the juju man to get a potion to make the king forget about the new wife because she doesn't want the king to chance seeing wife. her be hot. Yeah, exactly. But it doesn't last all that long. 
And eventually the king goes to the ugly wife's house at night and she takes her skin off. And eventually she has a child. Yeah, because shedding that skin yes, really and she reveals her beauty. Yeah. And so the king loves her. And they lay together, you know, the biblical term lay. And <laughs> what's that mean? <laughs> <laughs> and she eventually has a son. The jealous queen is so jealous, she goes back to the juju man, asking the juju man to make a potion to have the king get sick because he loves his son. So all oh, of a geez. sudden it's the son's fault. Of course. So the king throws the son into the water. Ugh. I know. I know. So all of a sudden you have like baby Moses floating down the river. Yeah. But guess what? The water juju saves him. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. He's able to grow and get bigger and stronger. And he becomes a wrestler. And he challenges one of the best fighters in the kingdom to a match eventually when he's much, much older. But in the meantime, the woman with two skins has another child, a daughter. And the queen is still jealous, throws her into the water. So the siblings grow up together and then return home for this ultimate battle, right? Like gladiator. Yeah. The son wins and demands a trial for what was done to him. Mm. So the king and queen sit on rocks in front of everybody. And the son that the king doesn't know is his son because he thinks his son is dead. Right. This is where the trial takes place. The boy pointed out the jealous woman who was sitting next to the king and told the people his story, how that his mother, who had two skins, was the spider's daughter, how she had married the king, and how the head wife was jealous and made a bad juju for the king, which made him forget his wife, how she had persuaded the king to throw himself and his sister into the river, which, as they all knew, had been done. But the water juju had saved both them and had brought them up. Then the boy said, I leave the king and all of you people to judge my case. If I have done wrong, let me be killed on the stone by the Egbos. If, on the other hand, the woman has done evil, let the Egbos deal with her as you may decide. When the king knew that the wrestler was his son, he was very glad and told the Egbos to take the jealous woman away and punish her in accordance with their laws. The Egbos decided that the woman was a witch. So they took her into the forest and tied her up to a stake and gave her 200 lashes with a whip made from a hippopotamus hide. And then they burnt her alive. And then the king and Adiaha uh, lived happily ever after. Of course. Yes. Well, there we so. go. And that's uh, the moral of that story is if you're hot and can bore the king a son, you're in. That's right. Totally, <laughs> totally in. Um, so yeah, I think it has similarities to to other tales that we've discussed. And I thought it was really interesting, especially because, you know, her parents made her do this two skin thing. And yeah, it's just, it's a little strange. Not going to lie. It's very convoluted, but interesting story. Monica, do you have a favorite from everything we've discussed today? I really liked the pigeon prince. I don't think that's the name of it, but really like that one the princess who kissed and told i I just that one just struck a chord with me yeah what about you um i really like the tale from guanajuanto i think oh that one was so good romeo and juliet i think either one could be made into movies to be quite honest with you all right that's our next project obviously when we have a big empire of entertainment yeah nothing serious seriously i think those two fit perfectly 
So what do we have coming up? Well, up next, we have mermaids, which I think might finally round out our fairy tales, storybook, fantasy, adventure, a little theme that we have going on here, this mini series, if you will. Um, I know that's what we have coming up next. I know that we have a lot of topics that we'll be doing in the future as well. And just to clarify it for everybody, that's probably what we'll be doing for season two, which is just a bunch of themes where we can really deep dive into each topic. That's right. And explore all the aspects. Yes. So fun. So fun. Well, I'm looking forward to mermaids. I guess, you know, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, wherever you find your favorite podcasts and share us with a friend. Until next time. Bye. For all of the sources used in today's episode, please visit twomonicaspodcast.com. Today's music was provided in part by filmmusic.io, New Sky by Raphael Crux, Laid Back Guitars by Kevin McLeod, Scotland Music 2 by Frank Schroeder, Modern Jazz Samba by Kevin McLeod, Blockbuster Atmosphere 5, African Spirit by Sasha Ende, Sounds by Zapsplat and Mixkit.co. 